The Solution Word with Pastor Adama Segbeji. Pastor Adama has a passion to uplift people and see the body of Christ excel. His aim, to bring hope to the hopeless and solution to the nations. In this message, you will learn. And for us to understand the significance of this responsibility, of this, of this mission, we have to first understand where Jesus came from. He came from heaven to the earth. He left a comfortable place, heaven, sitting on the right hand side of God, to the earth. He came from a place where the streets were made with gold, to the earth where it's sandy, where there is poverty. So Jesus moved from a place of comfort to a place of discomfort. So that means if we are going to seek the lost, there is going to be some form of discomfort to us. Oh, this is the sanctuary. I said, let's give Jesus some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is good. And all the time. I said, God is good. And all the time, hallelujah. Let's please be seated in the presence of the Lord. We thank God for what he's doing. Uh, He's so good. God is so good. God is so good. I said, God is so good. God is so good. We must have this consciousness that God, he is so good. You see, the more you have this consciousness of God's goodness, he becomes more good to you. One of the things I've noticed is that what you don't acknowledge will never appreciate in your life. The only thing that I appreciate in your life is what you acknowledge. And I choose to acknowledge the goodness of the Lord. <laughs> through it all, through it all, I choose to acknowledge what? The goodness of the Lord. If somebody looks at you and they think things are not going well for you and they ask you, how are you doing? What do you say? God is good. And how is he good? He's good all the time. Is it some of the times? No. He's good how many times? All the time. Hallelujah. How many of you are still basking in covenant 2018? Let's be expectant because within these 40 days, God is moving things. Amen. Amen. By the time we hit September, the middle of September, your breakthrough is eminent. Your breakthrough will be evident. Nothing will stop it. I come as a prophet of God to let you know that nothing will stop your breakthrough. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. 
I said in the name of Jesus. And we thank God for what he is doing. Amen. Well, tonight I want to share something very simple and then we can take time to pray. Okay. So one of the things I've noticed that many people don't know how to win souls anymore. Uh, That's a challenge for the church uh, of today that we don't know how to win souls any longer. Uh, And so I believe it's time to go back to the foundations of our faith. So tonight, uh, one of the challenges of today's Christians is how to win souls. I think usually when we do go out, we invite people to church. That is good. But beyond that, we have to invite people to Christ. Our first introduction of souls is to invite them to Christ Jesus and not to the church. Because the church cannot save anyone. Is there any other mics that are open, that are on, so they can all be off? Hallelujah. Yeah, so our first point of call must be to invite people to Christ and not to the church. Why? Because the church cannot save us. Jesus Christ is our savior. Amen. Amen. Jesus Christ is our savior. So one of the most important thing when we go out on outreach is to always make sure we are leading people to Christ. Number one thing we do is we lead people to Christ and then the rest will follow. You know, because when we lead them to Christ and we don't see them again, we know their salvation is guaranteed. But when we invite them to church and they don't come to church, they are not saved. And if they die, we know they might not make it to heaven. Amen. Please, why don't you sit here and give me a little bit of support? Come and sit here. My wife is in the house, amen? Doesn't she look beautiful? Are you people jealous or what? This is not a, a jealous church, praise God. Hallelujah. This is the best church in the whole world, anyway. Every time she sits there, she encourages me. Because she was my first member. So when she's not there and I'm preaching, I'm not, I'm not, it's like I'm scared. I'm a little bit scared. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Okay. I don't know what's happened all of a sudden to the sound. The devil is scared about what I'm about to teach. My goodness, but the devil is a liar. So when we invite people to uh, the church and they don't show up, we don't know whether they are saved. And we cannot guarantee their destiny or their future. So it's always important, the first point of introduction to souls is to introduce them to Christ Jesus and not to the church. Amen. Is to introduce them to who? 
to Christ Jesus and not to the church. So tonight I'm going to be, uh, before I give you the title of what I'm teaching, turn with me please to Luke chapter 19 verse 10. Luke chapter 19 verse 10. Look into Luke chapter 19 verse 10. I read, it says, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Let's read it together. Ready? Go. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And we are blessed by the reading of God's word. I'm teaching tonight or Bible study tonight on what I have titled Rescue the Perishing. Rescue the Perishing. Notice Jesus' mission statement. Jesus' mission statement is in Luke chapter 19 verse 10. It says, for the Son of Man is come to do two things, and that is number one, to seek, and number two, to save. Number one, to seek, and number two, to save. So, Jesus' responsibility here on earth is to do just those two things, to seek and to save. What does it mean to seek? To seek means to search. And not only to search, but to search how diligently. To seek means to diligently search until you find what was lost. So Jesus came to seek the lost. And for us to understand the significance of this responsibility, of this, of this mission, we have to first understand where Jesus came from. He came from heaven to the earth. He left a comfortable place, heaven, sitting on the right hand side of God, to the earth. He came from a place where the streets were made with gold, to the earth where it's sandy, where there is poverty. So. Jesus moved from a place of comfort to a place of discomfort. So that means if we are going to seek the lost, there is going to be some form of discomfort to us. Are you following me? Seeking the lost means there will be some elements of discomfort. That means everything will not be comfortable all the time. For instance, you are at the bus stop or at the train station and then the Holy Spirit nudges you to speak to a brother or a sister about Christ. At that particular time, it might be uncomfortable for you. Are you following me? It might be uncomfortable, but if you are going to listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit, it must not only be in an environment of comfort. Because Jesus came to seek. He left a place of comfort to a place of discomfort. Reaching the lost will always cost us something. One of the things reaching the lost will cost you 
is the fear of rejection. Because the moment the Holy Spirit nudges you to reach someone, to speak to them about Christ, maybe the first feeling that comes to you is, what if they say no? So there is that fear of rejection and nobody likes to be rejected. Are you following me? There is that fear of rejection. So because of that fear of rejection, we don't follow through with with the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now the second mission statement of Jesus is to save. He came to seek and I said seeking will put you in a place of discomfort. The second is to save. To save there means to reach the person at all costs and to bring them out of their lost state. And that also means that saving will cost you something. Now, for instance, if you have a dog, a dog that you love, how many of you have dogs here? Oh, no, 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 no. You people don't like pets. (laughs) All right, let's just say you all, let's assume you all have dogs, right? You all have pets. And you love your pets, right? Let's say you love your dog so much. And this dog has been with you for years. You've had this dog for years, maybe 15 years. And then one day, you're going out. You're wearing your most expensive shoe, your most expensive dress. Maybe that dress costs about 15,000 pounds. That shoe costs about 28,000 pounds. Say amen. amen. Because you are going to be wearing those shoes and dresses very soon. Somebody will say, oh, why, why don't we use that money for the poor? Jesus said, the poor you have with you always. So, yeah, you're wearing that uh, 15,000 shoe and 28,000 dress or whatever. And that dog that you love so much falls into a mud. I want you to follow me falls into a mud and is stuck in the mud and there's nobody there to save that dog and you are the only one you know what that dog means to you will you go into the mud or not will you eh? of course let's assume you love the dog the first thing that comes to your mind you not think about the cost of your shoe or the cost of your dress even though they are extremely expensive you will not think about the cost of your shoe and the cost of your dress your first premonition will be to jump into that mud and to save that dog are you following me now you people are laughing because you don't place value on the dog the people on this side are laughing they, don't, they value their shoes and their dress more than their dog. Now, so, the first thing you do is you jump in without thinking about the cost of what you're wearing. 
Now what's on your mind? Salvation to save that dog. Now in saving that dog, it's going to cost you something. Your very expensive shoe and your very expensive dress. Are you getting this? So the Bible says that Jesus said, for the son of man is come to do two things, to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, if you read this scripture there and you leave it, it's so easy, but it's not just enough. Now, remember, we were that dog that was lost, that was in the mud. And for Jesus to save us, he has to pay with his life. Not with a 15,000 pound shoe or a 28,000 pounds dress. It has to cost him his life. It cost him what? His life. It's his life for our life. That's why the Bible says that when God was looking for who to send, Jesus said, here I am, send me. And what was the cost? He knew he was going to die for you and for me. Which is more expensive than that shoe or that dress. Are you getting getting his mission statement? So if we are going to make an impact like Jesus, number one, we have to be willing to go through some discomfort. And number two, we must be willing to lose some things in the process of saving the lost. Very, very important. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. To seek and to save that which was lost. So, if we are going to rescue the perishing, it will cost us discomfort and it will cost us our dignity. We have to confront fear of rejection and reach the lost at all times. Because, let me tell you this, the greatest area of reward as a child of God is not in seven in the house of God. These are all good. My greatest reward is not what I'm preaching. My greatest reward is in when after I have preached and led people to Christ and they are saved, that's where I'm rewarded by the Lord. How many of you know that our efforts are not rewarded? The only thing that is rewarded is results. For instance, if you're given a responsibility and say, go and, and rescue someone or rescue something, and then you go and stay there for months and search everywhere and you come back and say, I've done my best. It didn't come with the expected result. Yes, you have put in an effort, but effort is never rewarded. It's only result that is rewarded. Now, do you think that you are, you are, you are paid for making an effort to go to work and just when you're giving an assignment at work, you say, I've, I've, I've made an effort. Where's the task? Where's the responsibility? Oh, boss, I've made an effort. 
No, you are not rewarded by your effort. You are rewarded according to the results you get. So, the most rewarded part of the Christian work is when we reach the lost for Christ. When we reach out to seek and to save that which was lost. Because guess what? Jesus is no longer here. We are now saviors of men. We are now what? Saviors. We are saviors because the Bible says that out of us shall come saviors. So now Jesus is no longer here. He has given us the responsibility now to reach the lost at all costs. That's why it's so important to always check around you. Who have you led to Christ? Let me tell you, if you really want joy, joy comes when you see those that were lost and you've led them to Christ and they're in the church and you can see them growing and bearing fruits. That's what gives you the utmost joy. It's like your children. You give birth to them. Little, they were crawling and then you see them walking. Does it not give you joy? You see them talking. First, first words. And now expressing themselves. Does it not give you joy? That is what it is to win souls for God. When you reach a lost, a lost person for Jesus, and they are in the church and they are growing, it gives you so much joy. So the time has come for us to reach the lost at all costs. When we stand before God, guess what he's going to say? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. Now, that word, thou good and faithful servant, is not to do with the work you are doing in the church. Yes, do working in the church is good. Now, I'm not saying that, okay, pastor said, well, winning souls is more important, so now I'm not going to do any work in the church. That's not what I'm saying. Yes, working in the church is good, but beyond that, winning souls is much more rewarding. And do you know that in everyone's circles, minimum you can reach eight people for Christ? All of us sitting here, we can reach minimum eight people for Jesus. Minimum how many? Eight. Eight. That is, if you just become conscious of the fact that I'm going to be a soul winner and you decide to begin to reach people around you, minimum you reach for Christ is eight. And hear me, a survey was done as to how many people became Christians and nearly about 90% of people become Christians through friends, more than through strangers, 90%. So that means you have more power to influence your friends more than to influence 
a stranger. It's called the power of recommendation. The women will tell you that when you do your hair and the hair is nice, all other women will start asking, oh, who did your hair? Oh, where did you do it? Oh, I like your dress. Now, what's happening is called the power of what? Recommendation. And listen, recommendation is more powerful than any form of advert. The woman in John chapter 4 at the well, she said, come see a man, come see a prophet that told me everything about myself. She went to the village and recommended Jesus to the village. And guess what? They all came to see Jesus. So, we have the power to influence our friends and to influence them for eternity. The question is, what are you doing with your friends? Do you know where they are going? And we know most of us, our friends are not going to heaven. We, we know. We know they are going to hell. We know their lifestyles. We know they don't believe in God. We know they are going to hell. Yes, you've, you've spoken to them about Christ many times. They have said no. Don't stop. Listen, I never gave my life to Christ on the first day that lady who led me to Christ, I responded. No. Many times. When she tries to speak to me about Jesus, I'll tell her I'm a Catholic because I didn't want her to go any further. I said, I go to church. I was lying. I was so interested in her Jesus stuff. But she never gave up. Do you understand? Yes, the fact that you have spoken to someone about Jesus once and they have said no does not mean you shouldn't. Listen, my own father, before he died, my father was a strong atheist. He was into all kinds of gods. You know, he, everywhere my father travels to, he brings a, a god home. <laughs> the god of that place, he will bring it. Everywhere, and he had a, a cabinet full of gods, different gods. And he worships them every morning. And then he performs a special ceremony for all of them once a week. <laughs> Once a week, and then there's a special one once a month where all of us have to stand behind him where he's worshiping this God. <laughs> it's got the Father and his household and his gods. Yeah. He believed in them so much that once a month he would gather, we all line be behind him. He would draw a line, you know, he would put all the gods there. And you start pouring libation into all these lines. That's how, how he believed in these gods. The first day I told him about Jesus, he kicked me out of the house. I told him, before you die, all these your gods, you'll burn them, you'll give your life to Jesus, and you'll call Jesus as Lord. He threw me out of the house. 
he threw me out of there and I felt as if I was not his child. I slept outside, you know, Africa, there's mosquitoes. That day I had, I had judgment with mosquitoes. Mosquitoes chewed me everywhere. But I never gave up. One day I went to uh, the church I was going to, we have what we call covenant meeting. That's why you don't know where God will save your members of your family or friends. Went to like a covenant family which we call heaven house or home cell and we were praying for our families. And a strong burden and a compassion for my father came upon me and I started praying for him and weeping. Strong compassion. I've never prayed for him like that before. Weeping and weeping and crying and saying, God, save his soul. Because, you see, I, I, I saw the significance of going to heaven and going to hell. This is why till date, when somebody dies, I don't say rest in peace. Because I have no control where they are going. You and I have no control as to whether the person is going to heaven or to hell. Our responsibility is to lead them to Christ. I wept, prayed for my father. Not long after that, a few years after that, my father gave his life to Christ. Through all his gods away. As a little young boy giving his life to Christ, prophesied. He threw all his, my father caught the revelation of the blood because he was a man of covenant. And my father started speaking about the blood of Jesus. At his old age, before he died, he caught the revelation of the blood. He knew that there is so much power in the blood of Jesus. And he, he was even prophesying over me before he died. He said, that church will become like the sun on the seashore. And I know before I die, this church, Solution Chapel International, it will become a sun on the seashore. We'll get to the point where the numbers are uncountable. Mighty, mighty crowd gathering. That's what I see. Because my father prophesied it. I believed it before then. He prophesied. And actually it was in the scriptures. I wonder how he got that. And so we are going there. But it's important for us to understand that the destiny of our family members are so important. They are so important. Listen, my number one desire for you is to make heaven. Is to make heaven. This is why I cannot stand people who pretend. I, I, I'm not a pretender. So when people are pretending in the house of God, I just look at them and say, well, are you trying to deceive God or deceive yourself? God is all-knowing. It's like your children. There's sweets in the kitchen. You tell them no sweets. And then early in the morning, they wake up, go there, and take the sweet. And then once you go and 
pounce on them and see them, they put the sweet behind them. They say, what do you have in your hands? They say, nothing. What do you have in your hands? Nothing. Yet they have sweets. And you know they have sweets behind them. It's like that movie. There's this movie. Uh, is, that, is it Bruce Almighty? Something? Is that the movie? And the guy put his hand behind and said, how many fingers? He said, two. How many fingers? And God said, six. He said, no, you're lying. And then he took out his hands and he saw extra, extra hands, <laughs> extra fingers. So, what am I saying? That let's be serious with God. You see, no matter what happens, don't lose one thing. Lose everything. The lady who led me to Christ, this is the, the advice she gave me. She said, listen, you can lose everything in this world, but one thing you must never lose, that's your faith. Your faith in Jesus. Don't lose your faith in Jesus. Fight your way to make it to heaven. Are you following what I'm saying? So, seeking the lost and saving the lost will cost us something. It will cost us something. And you have more power to influence your friends into Jesus quicker than anybody else. Why? Because they trust you more than they trust anybody else. And how many of us here have friends? All of us have friends. All of us. So we must reach out for the lost. So quickly, how do I win four souls in four weeks? How do I successfully win four souls in four weeks? Number one, invite your family members to church next week Sunday special service. Number one, invite your family. Now we start with your family. How many of you have family members here in this country? Let's see by hand. Those of us who don't have family members here, we are not excluded. We'll have to go and look for <laughs> we have to go and look for someone. So number one, invite your family members to church ne- next week. Sunday special service because in this church we have special service every Sunday. You tell them next week we have a special service. Especially we have uh, our special healing and miracle service that is coming up on the 2nd of, of September. How many of you have seen this flyer? How many of you have seen the flyer? Does everyone have these flyers? Okay, after service, you're going to... So, this is an opportunity for us to use. Every special service we have is an opportunity for you to use to invite family and friends. Number two. Now, let's... We are assuming that you're inviting just one person from your family. You know, each week. And make it a habit. We have a special service next week, Sunday. Please come. Number two, invite your friends to church 
next week Sunday special service. That's the second way to win four new people to Christ. Number one is invite your family. Number two is invite your friends. Listen, every friend that you have, they will all have one moment of vulnerability in terms of weakness. Every time you see a weakness in a friend, it's an opportunity for you to reach them for Christ. So for instance, let's say maybe a friend of yours have issues, maybe struggling with, let's say, a form of addiction. And then they come to you and always cry to you and say, uh, it's happened again, you know, it's happened again, you know, I keep, I keep falling into this. That's an opportunity for you to use that moment to invite them to Christ. Are you following what I'm saying? Because at every man's moment of weakness, they are looking for strength. And it's so important that at that point you introduce them to strength. Number three, invite your neighbors to church or a neighbor to church next week Sunday. So we are looking at this week by week. Week one, we invite who? Week one, we invite who? Week two, we invite who? Week three, we invite neighbors. Let your neighbors know who you are. You are a Christian. Some of you hide your Bible in your bag. They don't know whether you're a Christian or not. They see you going somewhere every Sunday and every Thursday. (laughs) And they see you coming back at a particular time. They know you're not going to work. They know you go two hours, you come back. Every Sunday, two hours. Every Thursday, two hours. Let them know where you're going. Because where you are going is adding to your life. Is, is, is coming to church adding to your life? Yes. Is it adding to your life? Yes. Yeah. You know, humility, this is one of the churches that God continues to increase our lives. Each one of us, the, the first day, just look back the first day you came to this church. Look at where you are now. It's a sign that God is increasing you. I believe in step-by-step gradual growth than instant growth. Because if God today gives you one billion pounds, <laughs> you might end up going mad. But when you look through your life, you can see, oh, gradually, God is increasing me. I came as a single, today I'm married. I came as broke, today God has given me a job. That's your testimony. And your testimony can reach someone for Jesus. Amen. I came with a broken down car, today God has given me a car. That's a testimony. 
a member of the church was making a recommendation on Sunday. He said, oh, this member is, they've got a new car. That's a good testimony. And I've had many testimonies. You see, when you're working in the blessing, people can't deny it. How many of you know that? Even if you want to hide it, you can't hide it. That's your testimony. Like the blind man, once I was blind, but now I can see. So they can see you going somewhere two hours every Thursday, two hours every Sunday. Tell them about Jesus. You only need one of your neighbors to invite to church. Just one. And the last one is invite someone from your personal outreach to church next week's Sunday special service. Your personal outreach. That means you must have a time you call, this is my personal time where I'm going to reach the lost for Jesus. Personal. Personal. Where it's not the church that is calling for outreach. Like you are out in town shopping. You are standing by a lady or a man looking at the same shoe that you are both interested in. That's a moment of personal outreach. In this country, we like talking about the weather a lot. Somebody can say, oh, what a horrible weather. You, you can use that moment as a personal outreach. We, we complain a lot. Last week it was too hot. This week it's raining too much. You know, we wanted the heat. The heat came. Now we are complaining. Enough, enough. We want it to rain. It rains, we say it's too... You know. When it's cold, we want snow. When we want white Christmas, white Christmas. When the snow comes, we say, oh, enough. We want the snow to go. You can use all these moments as personal outreach time. You're on the train, or about to board the train, someone start talking, delay. All these trains, they are always delaying. That's, that's a personal time of outreach. The bus is always not on time. You can use it as an example. Do you know, do you know that? Because when someone's about to go on a train, they know where they are, and they know where they are going. So a question you can ask is, do you know where you're going after this life? And say, oh, I don't believe in afterlife. Whether you believe it or not, it's, it still exists. Many people who sit on trains, they don't know the train driver. Many people who sit on planes, they don't know the pilots. But they believe the pilot is going to take them to their destination. So, there are many moments of personal outreach times that you can use to reach people for Jesus. And I see you becoming a soul winner this month. Amen. Let me hear a living amen. amen. Many of you have not won souls before, but this season you'll be a mighty soul winner. Amen. A whole nation is coming to Christ because of you. A whole city is coming to Christ because of you. A whole village is coming to Christ because of you. A whole family is coming to Christ because of you. In the name of Jesus. I decree that God will give you the boldness 
to confront your fears. Be like a salesman or a saleswoman. Amen? Salesmen are rejected many times. But they keep coming. I mean, look at the people next door us. I'm sure one of them have knocked on your door before. You've said no. But they keep going. They keep going from door to door. Yes, they have the wrong message, but they have the right method. We have the message, but we don't have the method. It's not a coincidence that God has put us as neighbors. It's time for us to take the message, use their method, and we'll be on the winning side. Hallelujah. Quickly, as we get ready to close, please write this down. Pray for all souls throughout the week before inviting them to Christ or to church. Pray for all souls throughout the week before inviting them to Christ or to church. Now, this is so important because before you reach the lost for Jesus, you have to pray for them. Because you praying for them is what is making the ground ready. Prayer prepares their hearts. It prepares the ground for you. So, Remember, this is a four-week cycle. So from Monday, if you know you're going to speak to this person on a Saturday or on a Friday, start praying from Monday. Choose one hour each day and say, I'm going to pray for this person or this family one hour every day at a particular time. Or if you can't do one hour of prayer, say, I'm going to do five minutes of break sessions of prayer throughout the week. So Monday I'll do five minutes prayer for this family in the morning. In the afternoon I'll do another five minutes. Mid-afternoon I'll do another five minutes. In the evening I'll do another five minutes before I go to bed. So 20 minutes a day. And with that 20 minutes all you are doing is praying for them. Nothing else. Don't ask God for a shoe. Don't ask God for a miracle. Don't ask God for a car. Don't ask God for a husband or a wife. When you are praying for them, don't say, God, remember my husband. Remember the, 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 that man. Let him propose now. Father, let, let that woman. No. Don't manipulate God. God knows what you need. He'll give you what you need at the right time. So, just five minutes, continue to pray for them. Ten minutes, twenty minutes. Just pray from, with compassion for them. See where they are going. See their end. See hell. That a place undeserved for them. And start praying for them with passion. So, very important. We have to pray for souls throughout the week before you speak to them. The reason why many people don't come to Christ is because we don't pray for them in advance. But when we pray for them in advance, it's more easier for them to come to Christ. Why? Because we are battling with another kingdom. Luke chapter 11 from verse 21. Let's look at the kingdom we are battling with. 
This is Jesus' teaching. Jesus said, Luke chapter 11 from verse 21. He said, when a strong man um, keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. He's talking about the devil. The devil there is the strong man. When the strong man keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. Now his palace there is his hell. The devil also has a palace. His palace is hell. And guess what he's doing? He's keeping his goods. His goods are the souls. Are the souls he's taking to hell. He doesn't want anybody to take them out. But look at what Jesus said in verse 22. Jesus said, but when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armor wherein he trusted and divided his spouse. So the stronger here is you and I, is a believer. Remember 1 John 5, 4, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So we are stronger than the devil. Say amen to that. Amen. We are stronger than the devil. So Jesus said, but when a stronger than he, a stronger than he there represents you who is stronger than the devil. You are stronger than the devil. Amen. I said you are stronger than the devil. Amen. When a stronger than he come upon him, he overcome him. Jesus has already predicted the end before the battle. Jesus said he overcome him. We overcome who? We overcome the devil. Revelation chapter 12 verse 10. How do we overcome the enemy? We overcome him by the word of our testimony and by the blood of the lamb. So when the enemy sees the blood, he is scared already. We come with this mindset, this consciousness that I am already an overcomer. So it said, and he overcome him, he take it from him all his armor. This is key. This is where many Christians miss the fight. The first thing we take is his armor. What is his armor? His deception. The tools he used to keep God's children in bondage. All his armor there is his deception. Have you seen a doctor? A highly intelligent doctor who is telling patients smoking will kill you and then when he's on he goes on a 15 minutes break smoking break and you see him smoking have you seen it before yeah yeah a highly he's, he's telling people smoking will kill you he can read and yet he's he's, he's killing himself That's the armor. That's the armor. That's the deception of the devil. The devil used deception to keep people in bondage. And so when we go before God in prayer and we are praying, we are taking away his armor, his deception. The armor is what keeps people away from coming into the house of God. It's the deception. The armor is that he will hear something little about a church somewhere and say, ah, all these churches are the same. Can you see his armor? So we go first for the armor. His manipulating elements. His deceptions. 
That's what we go for. And once we go for that, he said, he take it from him all. Not, you don't leave some. You take everything. So when he start praying for the lost, he starts praying, Father, in the name of Jesus, destroy every darkness, every blindfolding tool the devil is using to blindfold this family in the name of Jesus. No weapon of the enemy form or fashion against them shall prosper. You start taking away all the armor. Check the people that you are always going to win to Christ. They always have one strong argument. One strong argument. And that one strong argument is the devil's armor he's using to keep them in bondage. One strong armor. So, when you know the person you are going against, you use the power you have in prayer to disembark, to disable them before you get there. And by the time you get there, you're talking to them about Jesus. Guess what? You think they're going to talk about that thing. They forget because the Holy Spirit is working. You have already prepared the ground. So we overcome him. We take it from him, all his armor, wherein he trusted and he divided his spores. Say amen. amen. The spores there are the souls. So when we go, we go with this mentality. We are dividing his spores. We are dividing, we are taking the souls that he has kept in bondage. Hallelujah. Verse 23, Jesus said, He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Look at how powerful that statement is. It's talking about soul winning. That means don't be in the church. Your life is so important. What you do outside and inside is either gathering people to Christ or scattering people away from Christ. It's very important. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God has called us to be partakers together in the advancement of the kingdom of God. Everyone who genuinely engages tirelessly in this rescue the perishing will see their levels change and testimonies abound in their lives. Say a good amen to that. Remember, he that wins souls is wise. And God will always reward the soul winner. Amen? It's time for us to be a church that wins souls. That's where the true reward is. That's a secret. Every time I'm out there, I'm winning souls. Every time. There was, there was a time I was in a nation and within two hours won 50 souls to different churches. Led them to Christ. Different souls to different churches. Ask them, where do you live? You live here? Win souls to that church. The first, remember always, the first thing we lead them or invite them to is Christ and not to the church. Because once we invite them to Christ and we lead them to Christ, 
Remember, we have to also lead them to pray the sinner's prayer. We have to what? Lead them to pray this. That's so crucial. Once you do that, that's it. Their, their life is guaranteed and saved in Christ. And then the rest, the Holy Spirit will do it. Amen. Amen. Did you receive it today? Yes. Hallelujah. Let's give Jesus a better praise. Hallelujah. All right. Let's rise up on our feet. I want you just to think about all these four areas, family, friends, neighbors, and personal outreach. And just begin to pray. We're going to pray for just five minutes. Just pray for all these levels of areas of outreach. Next time, I'll take time to teach on actually step by step how to, what to say, scriptures to use. But most of the time, the most powerful scripture to use is your testimony. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I can see. Your testimony is more powerful. Because the Bible says we are living epistles. We are living Bible. They must see the Bible in your lives. Why don't we begin to pray for the lost right now? That in the next six weeks, souls will be gathered in this house. New souls, new souls. Our family members will be saved. Our friends will be saved. Our neighbors will be saved. On our personal outreaches, many will be saved. In the mighty name of Jesus, remember compassion is key. Pray for them with passion. Compassion is key. Compassion is key. Compassion. Pray for them with passion. Jesus had compassion on the lost. And he fed them with five loaves and two fishes. He was able to feed the 5,000. Compassion. Compassion for souls. Compassion for the lost. Reaching the lost at all costs. Going to the ends of the earth. In the mighty name of Jesus. Our husbands will not be lost. Our wives will not be lost. They will not go to hell. They will not go to hell. In the name of Jesus. We pray for the lost. We reach out for the lost. Our family members are saved. Our friends are saved. Crawley is saved. West success is saved. The United Kingdom is saved. Africa is saved. US is saved. Asia is saved. Europe is saved. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. The spirit of salvation is hovering. Is going through every corner. Every household. Every heart. And knocking on their hearts. Bringing them to the saving knowledge of Jesus. Our family members will not go to hell. Our friends will not go to hell. They will not die without first knowing about Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Pray, pray. Pray with passion. Pray with passion. Let us be a church that is passionate about the lost. About the lost. About the lost. Let's reach the lost at all costs. Reaching the lost at all costs for Jesus. 
reaching the lost at all costs for Jesus. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Father. Our live streams are reaching the lost. Our TV broadcast is reaching the lost. Oh, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you, Father. We give you glory, Lord. We give you glory. Oh, yes, Father. Yes, Lord. Let this house, let compassion come upon solution. The desire for the lost. The desire for the lost. Let us be conscious of the lost. In the mighty name of Jesus. From today, everyone we invite to Jesus. They will be saved. They will be saved. They will be saved. There shall be no loss of lives. There shall be no loss of lives. In the mighty name of Jesus. We pray for salvation. We pray for salvation. Salvation of souls. Salvation of souls. Salvation of souls. In the mighty name of Jesus. Let's pray. Pray. Pray church. Pray church. Pray church. We are redeeming them out of the, out of the grip of the devil. None shall be lost in our families. None shall be lost. None shall be lost. In Jesus name. In the mighty name of Jesus. Father we thank you for. Your grace. Give us a heart for the lost. Revive our hearts again. Revive our spirits again. Remind us of the, our responsibility. That is to seek and to save that which was lost. Give us the spirit of boldness. To confront our fears. To confront the fear of rejection. Father, give us testimonies. That within these six weeks... By the 29th of September, many of us will have testimonies of souls. Many will be saved unto eternity. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I said amen. I said amen. I said amen. Listen, I prophesy to you. When you invite one, two will come. Amen. When you invite five, ten will show up. Amen. I said, when you invite twenty, hundred will show up. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Listen, our responsibility is to sow the seed. Let's awake out of our sleep. Let's sow the seed. Seeds of salvation into the hearts of people. And when we do that, God will reward us. In Jesus name. Amen. Were you blessed tonight? Amen. It's refreshing to go back to the foundation of our faith. Amen. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to The Solution Word by Pastor Adama Segbeji. For prayer or further details, please call us on 01293-885000. Or why not visit us this Sunday at 10 a.m. at Solution, Barnfield Road, Northgate, Crawley, RH10, 8HQ. 
Your experience at Solution is sure to be a time of great blessing. Solution bringing hope to the hopeless and solution to the nations. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus said, The works that I do shall you do also, and greater works than these shall you do. Come and have an encounter with the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God at work in the life of Pastor Adama Segbeji this Sunday, 10 a.m. at Solution Chapel International, Barnfield Road, Northgate Crawley, RH10-8DS, or call 01293-885-000 for more information or on the web at solutionchapel.org. Solution Chapel International, home of signs, wonders, and miracles.